0: It looks, uh, on its surface, it is a middle Georgia issue, not a not a statewide issue here in Georgia, but it actually is because Georgia Power has a number of coal-burning power plants around the state, not just plant shearer in middle Georgia. And the ash from the coal uh, tends to be stored in ponds, coal-ash ponds, and many of those ponds are not lined on the bottom. Uh, for example, if you... If you dispose of your garbage, your your trash heap needs to be lined. Your your county municipal garbage dump needs to be lined so that debris and materials don't sink into the uh, groundwater. And a lot of coal ash ponds are not lined, and material, minerals can leach into the groundwater. Uh, Now, joining me, Mike Pless from uh, the Lake Juliet area. Mike, thanks so much for being with me. Oh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, now, this issue, I was, I was just explaining to, to the listeners before you called in, it, it, it appears to be a middle Georgia issue, but it has suddenly taken over the legislature, and, and it's actually a larger issue because there are coal ash ponds around the state that are unlined. Uh, and I, I wondered if you could, uh, just for the listeners, kind of ex- explain uh, what's happening up to your well in your area in Juliet, Georgia.
1: Okay, well, um, yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, we're I live here in Juliet, and uh, my wife has been uh, was born and raised here, and uh, actually a couple generations living up here. So um, I've been imported in, but uh, we're we are actually talking about Ash Pond One at, at uh, Plant Shara, um, but there is a much bigger view. So we may be myopic in looking at this particular place, but we need to bear in mind that this is an industry wide issue and it goes all the way across the united states in fact it's a global issue because any coal-fired uh electric generating plant has coal ash as a byproduct as a waste product and what they do with that coal ash has everything to do with the environmental integrity around them so we're just focusing on this one but it does you're right it goes across the state so now what what
0: is happening uh, in Juliet?
1: okay so um, what I find is that when you take a very, very complex issue, one that you may not be familiar with, before you can learn something new, you have to attach something you already understand and know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most of us here in the South understand what happens if you were to take a gallon jug of tea or water and set it out, set some tea bags in the top of it, close the lid, and then just, well, you don't even have to close the lid, just set the tea bags in the top of it, sit out in the sun, and just wait. And we know what happens. The tea does not leave... The bag the tea leaves stay in the little bag, but things leach out of it called tannins, and, uh, and and it colors our water, and we we have a little flavor in there, and we add a little sugar to it, and we have sweet tea. Well, fundamentally, that's exactly what happens. We just put it on a larger scale, and we can't see the water in the in the, uh, the under the ground, which would be like in the in the gallon jug. But essentially, that's exactly what's happening. They've got coal ash, we've got tea. They set it in the ground. We set it on top of our jar. Um, Add water, and all of a sudden, stuff starts seeping out of the bottom of the coal ash, and it gets down into the groundwater. We stick a straw over here a mile away, two miles away, and we draw water out of the ground. We're thinking that it's been filtered by the ground. It should be clean and clear, and historically, it generally has been. But what we don't realize is that the stuff that's been seeping down into the groundwater underneath that coal ash pond does not know Georgia power, power boundaries, and it just simply goes where it goes. And over here in Juliet, we don't have any option for other water sources other than our wells. So we're unknowingly drinking this water that is, to one level or another, contaminated by what Georgia Power has been letting seep into the ground.
0: Well, it. I- what is the—I know there was a movement in the past to to bring city water from Forsyth or elsewhere in Monroe County or, or even Macon up to Juliet, and at the time it was resisted, I think, in, in the late 80s, early 90s by people with wells. Uh, is there any movement of the county up there to bring in pipes?
1: Well, um, there is talk about it, again, uh, and the problem is uh, there is a practical reality that has to be dealt with, and that is the cost of it. Yeah. So that will always slow down progress in a particular area. If the cost is prohibitive or perceived as being prohibitive, then that'll slow it down. But there was some progress made back, I'm going to think around maybe uh, early 2000s, and water lines were brought uh, considerably into the county from south uh, up to Highway 1887 intersection in that area. Um, and some were brought further out from Forsyth towards Juliet down Juliet Road, and some water lines were run further from the north down. Um, but they all failed to reach Juliet because of the cost and because you know the the, the seeming issue is somewhat resolved. Then you also have the uh, part of that American um, mindset that says we're independent. Mm-hmm. although we're seeing less and less of that these days. <laughs> right. But people expect for the government to be, uh, to take care of them. But a lot of people, especially people in rural areas who just work hard for living and provide for their families, they take a certain level of pride of being independent. And, you know, historically people have assumed that the ground does a good job of filtering their water, and so they want their wells. They don't want city water. They don't want to pay for city water. They will they'll pay and maintain their own pumps. Well, and it, draw, let me. Raw water.
0: I, I know that uh, there are a couple of people I've talked to in the legislature, and and I'm I'm sure this is Georgia Power's position. I'm I'm trying to get one of their guys on as well. And but I've seen this this quote out there that the the hexavalent chromium that's being found in the water uh, is well below EPA standards up there. And, <laughs> and how would you respond to that?
1: Well, um, the EPA. It, it's like everything. Government, you've got a mixed bag. There are some aspects that are good, uh, and there there are some aspects that fail horribly. um, From what I'm reading and understanding and educating myself on, the EPA standard for hexavalent chromium is is a standard, but it's set so high that most people that deal with the chemistry and understand the interaction with the human body would say that the levels that they've set it at. Are so incredibly high, and by the way, I think that's uh, for total chromium, not just hexachromium. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three different types of chromium. There's chromium, there's chromium three, and chromium six. Uh, the chromium six is what we typically call hexavalent chromium, and um, the, co- the total chromium is like at 100 parts per billion, and uh, that's so high. If we're talking about hex, hex- chromium, that uh, the people would be dropping like flies if they were ingesting that on a regular basis. So it's a little bit misleading. Of course, those who don't want to do anything about a problem like this will, of course, lean on that fact and say, well, well look, your your wells are showing so much lower a tenth of that, perhaps. What are you crying about? Listen, this is a standard the EPA says is safe. No, the EPA just set a standard. They didn't ever say that that's safe. They just set a standard in that particular area because they didn't necessarily know a lot about it. And compared to other things on the list, I don't know the methodology or the rationale, but it would appear that some of the things on the list are set at that level and that may be okay. And they just set that at that arbitrarily, it looks like. Mm-hmm. So you well, know, to to use that it's just like we all know there's what Mark Twain say,
0: there's lies, damned lies <laughs> <in>
1: statistics. and statistics. <laughs> well so the, we yeah, can yeah. use the numbers to justify our position no matter what where we're at.
0: Now, I, I guess one of the other questions I remember distinctly several years ago, in fact, I, I, I stumbled on a, a couple of things while I was researching to, to bring myself to speed on this. And I remember distinctly several years ago in the Juliet area, people were finding uranium in their wells and, and they were wondering if that may be related to... Uh, georgia power and it turns out that in in the piedmont area under the granite uh uranium can leach and radon can come up and people were having cancer because of the the yeah. well water with uranium and but that led me to to a thing i, I guess it was um, um, duke university uh it, which suggests that mm-hmm. yeah some of it may be naturally occurring and and yeah. I, I mean can we decide whether or not it's it's georgia power is it naturally occurring chromium
1: well, I, I think uh, I, the article you're referring to is by uh, I believe you pronounced the name uh, Abner Vangar, and he and his team did um, research primarily in North Carolina area. And you're you're correct, in the Piedmont Rock rock strata, um, there is a lot of fractured rock, and there between water and rock interactions, there can be some naturally occurring levels of hexavalent chromium. And if you look at it, if you read the article and get into the depths of it, and if you're not scientifically minded or whatever, which isn't a bad thing. I went to law large, school,
0: just so you know.
1: Yeah, okay. You uh, you can look at that, and your eyes can start glazing over. But if you stick with it and look through uh, the information, what he's saying is that it may be naturally occurring. But in the areas where he was around coal ash ponds, the elevations were higher than the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. But beyond that... Um, there's also a coal ash fingerprint. Certain elements that are, are leach out of coal ash will also be present, along with hexavalent chromium. His article does say that it is alarming that, uh, if from what their data was indicating, that there could be large percentages of the population that are exposed to unhealthy levels of hexavalent that are naturally occurring. And this creates a little bit of a problematic thing for municipal water p- suppliers if they're not you know, filtering for that and the expense related right. to that. And it's not really saying anything other than what it is, and that is these are unhealthy levels that people may be being exposed to. But that does not mean that, like, if we test our waters around here, and that's been a little bit of a weakness I've been concerned about is that if the only thing we talk about is hexavalent chromium, mm-hmm. that may get attention because of the Aaron Brockovich case that out in California. Right. But it, but it focuses on hexavalent chromium. And then the conversation becomes about the validity of hexavalent chromium. And we start ignoring the other things that are also in the water that are not naturally occurring, like strontium and vanadium. And, and those are things that come from coal ash. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, hey, hey, now, well, have, have those been found in the water up at Juliet, too?
1: Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I have so, a shallow well and a deep well, and they were tested. Uh, the results came back this past October. And I, I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit skeptical at first, and so what I needed to do is actually research for myself to find out, am I seeing the same information no matter where the source is coming from? Mm-hmm. Am I hearing the same sort of information, kind of get a consensus of, okay, well, I know these people are slanting their information this direction, and these people are slanting in that direction. But if I'm hearing the same basic information, it's probably just two different people, you know, two different opinions are, are slanting the information to support their position. Mm-hmm. But- That doesn't change the validity of the information.
0: Now, so what are you guys? What would y'all like the solution to be uh, uh, up there? Because I mean, it it looks to me like we—if we've already got groundwater contamination, and if it's not naturally occurring, if it is from the coal ash ash pond, there's damage already done. So, what should the solution be from your vantage point?
1: Well, you know, it's it—it becomes complicated because there's there's obviously a short term. Issue, but then a much longer-term issue. The longer-term issue would be, um, it, it, it's pretty, it's it's well known. The the whole the energy industry has known since back in the 1880s when these things first started up that coal ash is bad stuff. Um, they were early on. The first first coal coal-fired plant was in the UK in 1880. 1900s, it was over here in the U.S. and they already knew if you breathe the coal ash that's blown up by the air or as you're transporting it out to the dump in the back of the plant, it kills people. It messes them up. Sorry about that. Um, it messes them up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they they needed to stop it from flying around, so they wet it down. Well, that, that's a great solution. We all know that would work even with the fireplace ash that comes out. But it created a different problem, a more insidious one, where it seeps down into the ground when you end up having a bunch of this stuff piled up. Well, the industry has known about this all along, but they have suppressed that information because it would not to be to their advantage to have to be do something else with it. It sure is easy just to dig a pit and put it in there and keep it wet. Um, it wasn't until uh, 2015 after the Kingston Dam break and the Dan River pollution area, EPA actually came out with some level of requirements for how to handle coal ash. hmm and uh, and that has been the first time that there's been any legislation at all. So when you say um, – when a company says, well, listen, we're in full compliance with all local, state, and federal laws, th- that's easy to say because there essentially have been them. Mm-hmm. And the ones that there are um, are debatable, and they keep fluctuating back and forth as to how well they'll be enforced and whether or not they can get extension, et cetera. So – you know, I, I try to keep making things come back to the simplicity because we always get drawn into the details. Right. And simplest way to understand it would be, let's take me, uh, I want to change my diesel truck oil, 15 quarts of oil. I'm not allowed to just dump that into the ditch behind my house mm-hmm. um, because everybody knows, and I agree, that that is going to run off and it's going to pollute the water sources at some point, and my neighbors aren't going to appreciate that. And it's not good uh, stewardship of the environment. See, I don't have a right to do what I want to if it damages the environment and somebody else's right. issues. Well, in the simplest form, we understand that. But Georgia Power apparently feels that it's okay for them to dump a 1,000 tons of coal ash into uh, a pond that's built on top of an open aquifer. And it's okay to pollute the groundwater for perhaps miles around. And that's, a, that's okay. Um, it's not. Nobody has a right to do that. And, um, and the, other, the other thing is understanding that regardless of the amount of pollution and the different levels of quantities of those different components that might be found in my well water compared to somebody right down the street, we all know that people are impacted differently by different things. I know people that have smoked like chimneys all their life and they've never had lung cancer. Right. And then I know other people that have not even smoked and they get lung cancer. So on the surface, you'd think, well, there's no rhyme or reason. But going back to the simplicity of it, I'm concerned that the short term is people around here um, need an alternative source of clean drinking water uh, because it appears that there is some level of contamination here, and there are constituents in there in the well um, that indicate it's from coal ash pollution. Proving that will be one thing. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, there is contamination. So, in the short term, people need access to clean water. Right. Um, that's a short term issue. The long term issue is finding out where that pollution is coming from definitively. And I strongly suspect that it's from Georgia Power's Ash Pond 1. It's online, in contact with the aquifer, and contaminating the aquifer, which we all drink out of. Getting them to do the right thing. I would love for them to be able to recognize, look at what's going on with Duke Energy, look what's going on with uh, um, up in Virginia with theirs, and see the handwriting on the wall. And that is, as more light has been shined on this issue, um, the power companies have had to do a best practice and actually remove the coal ash from the ground and put it into lined landfills, much like we do household Mm -hmm. garbage. It's the safest thing we know of to handle it.
0: Mike, um, I, I'm yeah. afraid I, I got to leave it there with you because uh, sure. I'm 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 out of time and got a hard commercial break. I got to get to. But look, this no is problem. helpful. I appreciate it very much, and and thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome absolutely uh i I also just just uh, i'm i'm getting somebody from georgia power to come on as well i want to get both sides of the story for you guys at the top of the next hour uh john craft from uh, georgia power is going to join me as well uh but thank you very much to mike pless for uh giving the take for the residents of juliet in georgia uh this issue consuming the legislature right now and we'll have georgia power on at the top of the next hour to get their take National Connections, local focus. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. In the last half hour, I talked to Mike Pless. Uh, He is one of a group of residents in Juliet, Georgia. If you know uh, Whistle Stop Cafe, uh, the fried green tomato movie, that's that's Juliet, Georgia. Uh, It stands in the shadows of Plant Shearer, which is a coal-burning power plant operated by Georgia Power on Lake Juliet, where I go on a regular basis with my kayak. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful area. Uh, and the residents there have found chromium in their water, and they are blaming Georgia Power. There is some research to suggest it may be naturally occurring. Uh, in fact, uh, several years ago, uh, there was all sorts of concern about uranium in the water. There was a pocket of people in the Juliet area who had gotten cancer, uh abnormally high cancer rates, and they started testing the water, and it turns out there was uranium in and. Uh, it was. It's naturally occurring in the Piedmont region. Deep wells uh, sometimes get uranium in them, and uh, people get radon in their houses and stuff. And it's naturally occurring. And, and back in the late '80s, early '90s, there was an effort to bring in water to pipe, uh, run lines to Juliet. And the, the residents insisted they had good well water, so they didn't do it. And, and now we're at this point where there are no uh, freshwater pipelines. Everybody has wells, and we've got problems. And, of course, this comes at a time when coal-burning power plants are under fire nationwide uh, by environmentalists. Uh, and I wanted to, having talked to residents of Juliet, wanted to get someone on from Georgia Power and, and talk to them about it. And John Kraft from Georgia Power has joined me. John, welcome.
2: Thanks, Eric. Uh, good to be on the show. Thank you for having
0: us. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I wanted to get your take on this. We we know the situation. Residents in Juliet have found chromium in the in their uh, shallow wells. We we know in deep wells there's uranium that's naturally occurring. There's dispute over this and what Georgia Power can do or should do. And and really just wanted to to get your side of the story here on on how y'all see this issue.
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Uh, of course, uh, we took uh, early action a number of years ago announcing that we'd be closing all 29 of our ash ponds across the state, including the one at Plant Shear. And uh, so we've been proceeding uh, uh, with our plans in that regard to get these uh, these ash ponds closed and uh, uh, make sure we've got uh, good, stable closures for the long term.
0: Now, our, I guess one of the big concerns is what are, what's going to happen to the coal ash plant? Will it be lined or not, or will stuff be removed from there? What, what goes on? Yeah,
2: well, just a little background. So the federal EPA and then even more stringent Georgia rules uh, under the EPD have specified two ways to close an ash pond, either excavate it or close it in place. And they've determined that either, either method, can be protective of the environment, and so we're doing a mixture of those uh, based on a site-by-site analysis. So there's no cookie-cutter approach for an ash pond. We uh, employ where we go out and get uh, expert advice from professional engineers, professional geologists. They evaluate the the location, the size, the amount of material, even the geology of the area in coming up with the, the best Recommendation for a particular site. So at Plant Share, our plan is to close it in place, but in addition, we'll add uh, proven engineering methods. These are accepted methods and other regulatory uh, by regulatory bodies and in other states across the nation uh, that will further enhance those closures.
0: Now, the folks in the area there say that Georgia Power is to blame for the chromium in the well water. I mean, what, what's Georgia Power's position on that?
2: Yeah, well, we've got an extensive network of 57 groundwater monitoring wells at Plant Shear, and these were cited by third-party professional geologists specifically to detect any impacts to water. So they told us where they should go for the best detections uh, of, of any issues that might, might be of concern for water. We are showing no detections above state or federal standards uh, for drinking water. Based on that extensive data, collected, and we report that to the EPD. We report it on our website. We put all our data out there publicly. Again, we're seeing nothing above or even close to a state or federal uh, drinking water standard uh, on or leaving our property.
0: Now, it, when I it, when I talked to Mike in the last half hour, I, I mentioned that to him, that the federal standard is 100 parts per million, I guess. Uh, and A billion, I yeah, think. Billion, it, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's 100 parts per billion, and they've been finding in some areas 10 parts per billion, and we talked about the study up at at Duke and the University of Arkansas that even in some areas of the Piedmont, they're finding ten parts per billion. And there is this this question as to whether or not it's naturally occurring or is it coming from coal ash plants?
2: Right. I've I've heard some of those uh, heard of some of those studies as well. That's that's very interesting data. Um, uh, so you know, again, that's um, our data and our wells posted around the the site are showing us. No issues of concern in terms of, uh, you know, anything approaching a, a drinking water standard uh, specific to chromium. All samples of our wells on the property boundary are not only well below state and federal drinking water standards, but are even below the naturally occurring background
0: levels on our site. Oh, that's interesting. So let, let me ask you this then. It's, there clearly is a a movement among some in the legislature to crack down on this, force you guys to to dig it all up, move it out of the way, not leave it in place uh, what are you guys advising the legislature on this and and I, I guess there, there's a, a side angle here of how much of this do you guys view is is concerned versus how much is concern amplified with a partisan agenda?
2: yeah you know, and I'm not involved personally in those discussions I know we, we are engaged in, in providing information on the subject uh, to legislators. It's important uh, that that um you know we we have our voice in that mix of course. Um so basically, you know, our plans again are are to follow the, the regulations and then we're applying these additional measures that will further enhance it. At Plant Share specifically, our plan is to we'll dewater the pond, we'll get as much water out of it as possible. Following all our permits and special you know processes uh, water treatment processes in that in that phase, then we'll consolidate the ash into a much smaller footprint smaller by several hundred acres and then we'll not only you 'll hear the term cap in place so we're not only we're not just capping in place we're going to use an expanded cover system that'll go beyond the the boundaries of the ash itself and the the purpose of that is to Prevent rainwater infiltration, water flow through that field, uh, and that should further uh, reduce the amount of water and, and make it even more uh, a more protective closure uh, for that shear pond. Now, just
0: as random aside here, John. E- I, coal power plants in this country we hear the people on the campaign trail now uh it's become a big issue i know you guys have been diversifying energy around the state uh, you got nuclear power uh, there's that massive solar farm uh they're building just south of me um and I, I think Twiggs county somewhere down there off i-16 what is the future of coal power versus uh, other power in georgia for for residents
2: well, yeah, I think it's clear that, that coal is under some pressure. Um, we have retired a number of coal units in recent years. We currently have, I think, three active uh, coal plant sites. Those are uh, some of the larger ones. The plant Shear as you mentioned, is, is one of the largest in the nation also one of the most efficient uh, power plants in the nation. Uh, so it, it churns out a tremendous amount of power 24-7. Uh, we have been expanding into solar, as you mentioned, so we do believe in having an all-of-the-above approach uh, it, with renewables, with natural gas, with nuclear, as you mentioned, uh, and also the coal units that we still have in our fleet. Um, again, the, the advantage of these and nuclear, for instance, are they produce power 24 hours a day, you know, through all this rainy weather we've been having where we don't get a lot of solar production, you know, it, it's important that we have the, the diversified mix that we can, uh Ensure sure, we're still providing the power customers need.
0: Well, you know, I was going to actually ask you that because in, in states like California and then places in Europe, we're, we're seeing this problem where they've gone so far towards solar and wind when a heat wave comes through or, or uh, a lot of rain comes through. There may not be wind or there may not be sun, and they're having trouble with power. And it, it seems like you guys are at least putting some thought into maintaining some regular supplies of power
2: definitely and of course we work with the Georgia Public Service Commission we we update our long range 20 year outlook every 3 years we update that uh, with the Georgia Public Service Commission they approve our plans and we've always you know had that approach of having that balanced mix a diverse mix of uh Power sources. We we take some some arrows uh, over that from uh, from some quarters, uh, you know, over the years. But, but in the end, we th- feel like it's the most uh, responsible approach to make sure we can provide you know that affordable, reliable power that our customers are rely- are, are depending on.
0: Well, listen, I I thank you very much for stopping by. I know it's not an easy issue when there are people's health involved and and emotion involved and and worry involved as well. And uh, thank you very much. And it's good to hear that that coal ash pond is going to be wound down at Plant Sure as well.
2: Absolutely appreciate the chance to kind of tell our story. We've been we've been trying to get that information out. As I said, we post all our data uh, publicly on our website. So I think up to 18 months before the regulatory requirements, we had data out on our website. So uh, we want to be open and, and upfront about this and, and help people understand, uh, you know, the process and what we're seeing from our results.
0: Thank you very much, John Kraft with Georgia Power. Um, uh, look, I, I wanted to get both sides. It is a difficult issue. You're dealing with people's health. Uh, they had the uranium issue in the same area a while back with the wells. And so people obviously are on edge. And now there's the, the chromium issue, uh, in the Piedmont area. And, uh, whether it's, it's naturally occurring or George Power. And, you know, I, I, I get the concern of people when you say, well, it's, it's well below what the EPA says. The EPA standard, it's a hundred parts per billion. And in some of the wells, they've been finding 10 parts per billion, uh, which is way less than the standard. But do you want to drink the water is, is a question. And then there is the, the emotional issue of can we separate out? Uh, is it the leaching from Georgia power? Is it naturally occurring? Is it a combination of the two? And what can be done uh, there? There are efforts now to get Georgia power to the Democrats in Georgia have a plan to require uh, that they get rid of the coal ash pond altogether. Uh, Georgia Power's plan is to essentially cap it, prevent water from getting into it, uh, and stop it from leaching into the groundwater, uh, but leave something in place, just essentially uh, getting as much water out of it can dry the ash and, and then cap it in, in place. Uh, and then, of course, the, there's the environmental concern there of on top of the emotions of the people in place... In places like Lake Juliet, there is also the, the the side agenda of some who want to shut down coal power plants altogether, uh, which may not necessarily be the best idea. As John Kraft said, it is an inefficient plant. Uh, and then, of course, you got the people who aren't sympathetic at all to those who live there and say, well, you can move, but that's not necessarily realistically true for a lot of people, and some of them, they've been there for a very long time. They don't want to move. It's a beautiful area up there. Lake Juliet is a gorgeous, gorgeous area. Uh, frankly, I wish I could buy land on the lake, but Georgia Power owns all of it. <laughs> um, it's gorgeous. I love to take my kayak up there. It is a difficult, difficult situation, and I, I wanted to make sure everybody got their side of the story out on this as the legislature, uh, believe it or not, this has thrown a complete curveball to the the legislature they were not looking at having to deal with George power issues this year they were looking at the budget and they were looking at adoption reform and a couple other issues uh the democrats of the legislature have seized on this issue uh and are advancing it Bob trammell in the house Jen Jordan in the senate uh, have been advancing legislation to crack down on Georgia Power and then of course for, among Republicans there's the side angle of the Democrats looking like they want to go after Georgia Power because Georgia Power appears to to support Republican or at least Chamber of Commerce interests so it it's you got politics in the mix where everybody views politics and and really what's ultimately at issue here is You have a major business that provides power to the state uh, that could fundamentally see our costs have to go up to deal with this issue uh, versus people who live in the area whose well water they're finding particulate in the well water, and they're concerned about it. And there really aren't a lot of easy answers, and there's still a lot of questions between naturally occurring and, and from the well water, from the plant, and It's a mess. Uh, They pay me to tell the stories and and to keep you guys informed. I am not in the legislature. I will not offer the solution. But good luck to the legislature for having to deal with the issue. Well-connected and well-respected. It's Eric Erickson, live every weekday.